a true North man is an intentional man who strives to live a life in a manner that edifies and uplifts those around him. He knows who he truly is, has a compelling vision, and lives life with purpose. Our guest today lost his identity as a child, but found it again through his creator. Today we do a background check on the founder of True North Man, Paul Beam. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is is background check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to background check. What's up, background check family? Welcome to this episode of background check. I'm your host, J. Dan Gum, and as always, the show uh, in this episode is brought to you by forgiven felons, helping people with a past realize their future. If you want to know more about what we do at Forgiven Felons, who we help, go to the website, forgivenfelons.org. You can check us out. We are uh, in transition to a bigger dream, um, bigger than just housing 10 men and helping them get back on their feet. We're in transition to the big dream, which is a larger center to help the greater Dallas area, vocational trades, startup businesses, you know, all the, all the regular social services and financial literacy classes, recovery classes, everything that anyone needs who is trying to start their life over. That's the, we're, we're transitioning into that. So we're excited. If you want to know more about that, go to forgivenfelons.org on the current plans page. If you have a loved one who needs a place to parole to in the Dallas area, please visit the website and uh, re- request an application. We can get one to your loved one no matter where they, what state they're in, and we can help them out. So uh, background check. I think we're live in the prisons now, so welcome to all of you who are listening from uh, the inside. I used to be right where you are. Okay, I don't know if you've listened to, to the launch episode yet, but I used to be right where you are. A lot of people on this background check podcast, the guests have been right where you are, and we didn't have access to anything but a, prison radio and the local stations. So it's, it's cool that we get to, uh, to come in to where you are and share stories of encouragement. So we believe God has a special, special story for you today and a special message for you today. So thank you for tuning in. If you like what you hear, tell, tell your other, tell, tell your whole pod, announce it at church on Sunday morning in the gym or chapel, wherever you have church. Either way, thank you for listening. And if you want to get a hold of us, I'll tell you how to do that at the end of the show. All right. But thanks again for listening. Um, at Background Check Podcast, what we do here is we tell stories, okay, of people who have risen above their background. All right. The back, the, when you hear background check, it's such a negative, a negative feeling. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, you got the job, but we got to do a background check. You got the loan, but we got to do a credit background check. Background check is so negative, and I am determined to turn it into something positive to where you can say, you know what, go ahead, check my background. I don't care. 
because my background doesn't hold me back. I'm making it pay me back. What do I mean by that? My, my bad decisions in my past, in my background, everything it stole from me, all the great jobs, all the great everything, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it back. It's going to pay me back. And that's what I mean by your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. So that's what we do. And uh, sometimes we have guests that maybe haven't been to prison but still have a story in their background that we want to dig into that they've risen above. Sometimes we have people on here that have um, are CEOs of organizations. We've had judges, lawyers, so we we love them all. We have everybody on here has an impact story to bless you. And today our, uh, our guest is Paul Beam. He's the CEO and founder of True North Man and Man Camp. Paul is a proud veteran who served in the U.S. Marine Corps from 2000 to 2004. He and his family, uh, who includes his wife and three sons, two stepdaughters, um, they live in a little town called uh, Bertram. I was there to interview him. It's pretty cool. Most of Paul's career has been in management and human relations. In 2013, he decided to make some changes and finish his studies. So during his course studies, Paul founded Man Camp in 2015 and would later formed the True North organization in 2016. 2017, he graduated from Concordia University where he obtained his BA in communications, religious education, and psychology. Since then, he's, uh, he's become a life coach. He creates and instructs courses for men. He hosts the True North Man podcast, which is incredible. I went on that show too. Uh, he speaks on vision, identity, purpose, and life change. He's also an ordained minister. Paul's childhood um, and life choices have led him down a path where he now feels it is his duty to call men to a higher standard of living with purpose and intentionality, lives of service to others rather than service to self. So without wasting any more time, our interview was so cool. We talked about MMA. We talked about his time in the Marines and whether Code Reds really existed. We talked about depression, anxiety, but most of all, we talked about identity. So here's our interview with Paul Bean. Paul, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thanks for having me, brother. It's man, an it's an honor. Yeah, it's an honor for me too, man, um, to do this this whole interview swap. I mean, I, I know you're going to have me on yours, and and it's uh, and we're going to have a good time on both of these. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell your story to our listeners, which our listeners also now include people, men and women in prisons and jails all across America. That's super cool. So uh, if you're listening from uh, from jail or prison, welcome to Background Check Podcast. You're part of the reason we do this. Background Check Podcast is all about digging into people's backgrounds, not to check their bad credit score, not to, uh, not to make sure they don't get into an apartment, not to make sure they don't get a job, but, but it's all about digging into their background and, and not using it as baggage, looking at it as baggage, but as leverage to share the testimony of who you are today. Mm. And that's why you're on background check. We're, we're going to do a background check on Paul Beam. Awesome. All right. So Love you it. got a couple of things that you're doing now in life. Tell, tell everyone what you do now, who the man you are now, your family, uh, what y'all do, and then we'll and then we'll dig a little bit into your background. Sure, sure. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you for the opportunity to share uh, to with your audience. I love being on podcasts. 
I love sharing my story because I believe that we all have a unique story that we're meant to share with the world because the reality is we're all created to make an impact in the world around us. Yeah. And uh, if it's not with our story, then what is it with, right? right? That's not to say we can't use our gifts and our skills and expertise to make a difference in the world, but we've been uniquely created and we've lived the life that we live that no one else has ever lived. And that affords us an opportunity to share things with people that others can't share. Uh, just as, as encouragement, as inspiration. And so that's the guy I've become today, you know, based on my past, my history, everything that I've been through in life, I came to a point where I realized that I'm, I'm called, I was created to make a difference in others' lives. And more specifically, I feel like I'm called to speak into men's lives simply because I was lost and aimless for so long and wreaked havoc on the world around me. And when my life started to change, when I started to actually find more direction and figure out who I was, I began to realize that I could take my past, the pain of the past, right, and turn it into my purpose and actually use that to to help guide and uplift other yeah. men, you know, and, and you do that, that, you do that two different ways. Yeah. So yeah. So we, first uh, is the man camp. You want to talk about that first? Yeah, absolutely. So man camp, when did it start? Started in 2015. Okay. We, uh, you know, I was actually at the time I was going to Concordia university, finishing up my degree, religious education, communication, and psychology. Awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So I started in ministry and I realized very quickly uh, that, that that path, the, the courses, the classes and everything I was taking just really probably weren't leading to me actually being in full-time ministry. Right. And so I said, okay, well, how can I turn this around? You, they say that a college student on average changes their course of study, I think, three or four times. Yeah. You know, and that was me. And that so it was the last time I was like, okay. I've got to get this right, but I couldn't lose credits because I'd already lost too many uh, with the break that I had from when I first started in 2010. And so anyway, I got with my advisor and I said, okay, I need to maximize these credits. I need to make sure that I'm on the right track and I need to make sure that it's going to suit me and serve me later in life. And so that's what we came up with. Uh, Psychology which for me, I feel uh, has to do with just being able to really dig into the hearts and minds of other people around me so I can understand them better and then offer sound advice. And then communication, everyone needs to know how to communicate, right? right? Whether it's from stage, whether it's written, whether it's through song, um, whether it's uh, unspoken communication, just our presence, our our nonverbals. And then what was the other one? Okay, psychology. Communication, oh, religious education. So my faith it is really the foundation for everything that I do. And so I knew that I needed to be able to understand myself on a deeper level, my yeah. faith. Yeah. Um, and then other people's faith as well. There's, there's tons of religions out there, right? And the more we can understand more about other people, the more we know about them, the more accepting we are, the more grace we can offer. Well, and the more you know how to approach them too. Absolutely. Because if you don't know what they believe in and what they have faith in, 
Yes. And you only come at them and try to beat them over the head with who you have your faith in. You're not going to understand really the true approach on how to, how to, you know, how to connect with them. Yeah. And that's what it's sure. about is connecting. Can, you may not have, that's what I tell people all the time. Jesus cannot relate to any of the sinners mm. that he healed and forgave, mm-hmm. but he connected with them. Yeah. And so you may not, we may not relate to somebody that has a different religion, but we're still called as Christians to try to connect with them mm-hmm. because through that connection is how they're going to be drawn to God. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to kind of bring that back to your original question, <clears throat> I was attending Concordia University and here I am, I'm in my mid thirties, you know, and so I'm around a bunch of young men that originally I was in class with because I started, you know, my ministry studies there. And so I knew all these young men who were studying to go into ministry. And I could also see some of the patterns that I had as a young man. Right. right? And so I was thinking, okay, well, some of these guys could use some mentoring in different areas. Well, at the same time, I was attending essentially a mega church. What was it? I went through a discipleship program there. So that kind of surrounded me with other men who were speaking into my life and quite frankly, just helped me grow my faith. Yeah. And then at the end of that discipleship program, I was asked if I would like to do a one-year internship with the church and be on staff. And that was very appealing to me. So I said, yes, of course. So continued to surround myself with, with other pastors and mentors that were speaking into my life. So in one sense, was, I had people speaking into my life. And then I had the the opportunity to speak in other people's lives. Yeah. And so that's where things started to click for me. And yeah. uh, I realized that the church every year was doing a women's retreat, but they weren't doing a men's retreat. <laughs> and I knew that I, I desired to be around men of faith right? Um, and to get to know other men and to just hang out with guys, right? Cause I can hang out with guys who are, who are on the right track or I can hang out with my old crowd that just really is living aimlessly and kind of being knuckleheads, right? And living for themselves. Yeah. Uh, and so I was, I had this, this desire to, to surround myself with better men that, that were living lives that I wanted to live. And so anyway, I was, my wife and I had purchased 12 acres out in uh, Florence, Texas. And I said, Lord, you know, the original intent was to build a home on it. But also told God, so it was 12 acres. You don't need 12 acres for a home, so what are we going to do with the rest of it? And, uh, so I'll, I'll use it for whatever. And so it just came to mind, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite a bunch of guys out. We'll, just, we'll uh, call the, just a, a simple name, Man Camp. Yeah. You know, so we invited a bunch of guys out, cooked some barbecue for them, had uh, acoustic guitar. So we did a little music around the campfire, shared our testimonies, challenge each other, encourage each other. And it was just one evening. But between the time it started in the afternoon and the time it ended the evening, I think we probably had between 12 and 15 guys come and go. And I started thinking through that. And I was like, I think I could do more with this. Yeah. You know, I think that, honestly, I feel like that was probably uh, God speaking to me, just saying, hey, this is, this is your lane. You need to jump on this track, and and uh, I'm going to guide you from here. And so that's what happened. The next one, we had about 35 guys. The next one, we had about 60, and then 80. And now we, we cap it 
at a well the last one capped at 100 this one i think we're going to cap at a 125 and so that's how man camp started in 2015 wow and then 2016 though is when i really started to say okay well I think we're going to do more with this, so I may as well form the organization. So that's when I formed the nonprofit. Why I formed a nonprofit, I don't know. <laughs> but the, I formed the nonprofit a, is the True North, right? That oh yeah yeah. So you have Man Camp, which is our event, uh, and then you have True North Man, which is the nonprofit, uh, formerly known as True North Ministries, and then we rebranded it um, to be more appealing or user friendly. Yeah. Quote yeah, unquote. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so True North Man is the organization, and then Man Camp is one of the events that we host, and we now do tactical trainings as well, which we call TNT, uh, True North Tactical. Is uh, it still just a one-day event? No, actually, it's grown, and we do uh, three days now. We do three days. check-in Friday, check-out Sunday, so two days, two, yeah. two full days, Right. Um, but you're out there three, so, so three days. So give us a little, uh, like an event schedule. Like what, what happens yeah. if somebody comes to man camp? What happens on Friday night, all day Saturday, and, and, and on a Sunday? What happens? Yeah, so guys show up typically around 5 p.m. Uh, Check-in is 5 to 7, and you're put on a team. So that happens two weeks before the event. So you have a squad leader reach out to you. We call them squad leader. Someone who pretty much has been to multiple events, and they can answer all your questions. They can tell you what you need to bring so on and so forth so basically check in and then that evening we have our first uh speaker so so basically the gist of the weekend is we walk men through a process over the course of the weekend and it's a process really of looking in the mirror and just figuring out who am i how am i operating in this world am i happy with that what do i need to do to elevate and so our first speaker goes on stage uh, Friday evening after, after the guys eat dinner together as a team. And then after that, they have a small group breakout. So they break out into their teams. They go into deeper discussion with, uh, with uh, what the speaker spoke on. And the speaker typically gives them a homework assignment also gotcha. that they can do during solitude. And then the next day, Saturday, which is our full day, we have a speaker go on stage uh, Saturday morning solitude time once again and then small group breakout and then from there uh from i'd say 10 a.m to probably 5 p.m is events activities all the teams compete against each other okay like like what are some of the events yeah and so we change it every time pretty much but we built an obstacle course out on the property so okay uh, we do obstacle course races um We've had three gun competitions. We've had uh, just regular pistol competitions. We've had skeet shooting competitions. We've had uh, we've only done this once. This was our last event. We did hog sacking. Okay, uh, which is pretty cool. A lot of wow. guys really enjoyed that. Uh, tug of war, hatchet throwing. There's all kinds of things we're wow. throwing, guys, and and we change it up. So uh, if you've been going since 2015. And you keep growing every year. You've literally almost impacted uh, over a thousand men's, almost a thousand men's lives. Yeah, you know I haven't done the numbers, and I, I probably should. Uh, but yeah, I mean we're close to a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the ripple effect on that, because mm-hmm. some of those men are married. Yep. Some of those men uh, have have friends. Maybe they're single, but they have friends. Mm-hmm. So the ripple effect. Some of them may be single dads. The ripple effect of of what you do is probably very incredible. Um, and 
talk about that. I mean, and you don't want them just to be affected for one weekend. You mm-hmm. want them to, to their lives to be changed after you get them to look at themselves, look inward to mm-hmm. see how they can grow and impact their outward sphere. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, and that's one thing that as we've grown, we've been really trying to be more intentional with is, is making sure that this is not a shot in the arm. So they come to our event, you know, because you can go to any event and you can get a shot in the arm. It's like a booster right. and it lasts for a week and then the world hits you in the face with uh, the same old stuff and you're right back where you were. So, right. so we've really been intentional about trying to create different programs that allow the men to stay connected to the community. So w- one of those things is when the guys leave, and I'll, I'll circle back around to the impact, but when the guys leave, their leader continues to stay in touch with them. That's good. And, and they try to meet up for coffee and so on and so forth. Uh, but we've also created a mastermind group that they can be a part of, and that is a weekly Zoom call. Uh, where men who are, are, you know, they really want to be more intentional. They really want to dig a little deeper, want another level of accountability. Uh, they can be a part of the mastermind group. And the Zoom call allows people from out of town that aren't local that right. can attend the small groups. The, the Zoom allows them to be a still. Yeah, be a absolutely. Yeah. A follow up so, ministry. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, and so we have people who fly in from all over. I mean, we've got guys from Washington, guys from Kazakhstan. We've got... Um, I mean, wow. all over, That's you know, awesome. um, now has this year's already happened? So we do two a year. You do two a year. We do a spring and a fall. So the spring so event has already, already taken place. Okay. Uh, and then the fall event will be in October. Okay. But we're also adding another event this year, which is going to be held in Washington. Um, we have a team of guys who continue to come to these events in Texas and they've asked us to host one up there. So we, uh, we went up, uh, let's see in June, mid June, and scouted the land and the property, and uh, we we said, yeah, we think we can make this happen. All so, right. So we're uh, we're working on making that happen in September. So we'll have two back to back: one in September in Washington, and then one in October in uh, Texas. All right. And and so back to to connection and impact and multiplication, ripple effect. We have the mastermind group, and then we have the the true north tactical trainings, which is once a month. So guys can continue to stay tapped into the community by being a part of those, those two things right there. And then we also have uh, what we call Fork and Fun. And basically that is just at random, once a quarter, once every other month or whatever, whenever we can, whenever we as a team find time to that we can have a gathering, we'll just send an email out and invite everybody. And it's a free it's a free cool. gathering. So I think the, the last one was, uh, I didn't get to go to it because uh, it was the day after I had my neck surgery, but uh, it, was, it was rib. It was a rib cook-off. So you sign up, and, and all the guys who wanted to compete, they brought a couple racks of ribs. Nice. And they had judges. And then uh, I think, yeah, each, each person that showed up, I think they paid like $5. And I went to the pot, and the winner of the rib cook-off won the pot. I think we wow. had, I think they had like 60, 60 folks, 60 to 80 folks show up. To That's that. pretty good, man. And so it was really cool. And then the next one, uh, I think, uh, let's see, am I supposed to tell people this or not? I don't remember. I think the next one, we'll, well, the next one we'll have is a baseball game. And I think after that, they're playing a sausage fest. Okay. So, right. <laughs> and cool. that'll, that'll be some sort of competition as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and, and, and all these uh, for the local for the local events, th- these are all held where? 
Yeah, so, so anybody and, listening uh, can know yeah, where know well, if it's at uh, at our ranch in uh, Mullen, Texas. We have a little thirty-two acre uh, yep. plot where, of property. Where is that? So that's the hill country, Texas, Central Texas. Okay, we all know um, where if, we're, if you're taught, so if you're talking Dallas, Austin, and Abilene, it's in the center of Probably all those. Of that. Okay, yeah. all right, cool. Yep. Um, and, and as far as impact, I mean, we've had we've had you know wives reach out to us. And, and you know, talking about how their, their their husband is a different man, and how they're they're thankful for uh, you know just the the uh, opportunity for them to be able to be present, yeah. and for what we're doing. So I have no doubt. And that that's when I first started this. I said, look, if we can if we can impact a man's life, we're going to impact more than just that man because yeah. men are uh, men are leaders. We're supposed to be leaders, right? And so if we can speak that kind of life into men and help them understand their purpose and their calling and who they truly are, um, men, they can't deny it, right? They're right. going to have to step up in life yeah. and they're going to have to make an impact in the world. And so it's not just the man that's being impacted. It, it's everyone around them, even if they're not married. I mean, whether they're in college, whether, you know, they're a, a, a leader in their, you know, their, their, uh, business, whatever it is, <clears throat> they're going to be impacting lives simply by their presence and who they are yeah. and how they operate in the world. And so I knew that going into this, I knew that the man I used to be impacted lives and I wasn't even trying to, yeah. I impacted lives negatively. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and, and you know what that leads me to, okay. You also host a, a, a pretty awesome podcast. Uh, called True True North Man. Yep, True right? North Man. And uh, you can listen to that on uh, any platform, pretty much, mm-hmm. that podcasts are run. So uh, do you guys have a website as well? We do. It's uh, truenorthman.com. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes where people can just go directly there. But talk about talk about why you started the podcast last, uh, what, October? Uh, last last year, at some point, yep. you started the podcast. Why did you start it? And mm-hmm. what is, what purpose does your podcast serve? Yeah. Great question. So I started the podcast in November. I had been telling myself for, I don't know, at least two years that I was going to do this podcast thing. And because we're a nonprofit, obviously we had a board, right? And so there was, there was a couple people on the board that I was like, we're good friends, you know? And I I was, I kept saying, I'm going to do this. Let's do this together, you know? And I kept waiting on other people. And so that was a part of my evolution as a man as well. And as a leader is like, I was relying a lot on other people because it was almost like I was afraid to be me and to speak out. Well, eventually it just got to the point where I was like, screw this, man. Like I'm tired of waiting on others. I want to do this. And so I bought the equipment. I probably had the equipment for a year before I ever used it. <laughs> but uh, then, you know, just something, you know, clicked one day and I said, I'm starting this. I'm going to do this. And uh, so that was November when I started it. And the, the reason for starting it is because it goes back to, you know, it's probably very similar to background check it, where I want to hear men's stories of overcoming adversity I want to hear the redemption stories and the restoration stories that take place in men's lives. And I want to understand how that relates to their faith. Um, Because once again, going back to to my foundation is my faith. It's it's my submission 
to a higher authority, to a creator. And then it's my belief in a savior that, that basically yanked me out of the miry depths and that said, Paul, like, look at what you're doing. Look yeah. at who you're being. You know in your heart this is not who you are. Um, all of your life, you felt a certain way, but you've acted a different way. And so that's another thing we do at our events is we help men identify the integrity gap. That's what I call the integrity gap. I was, I, I knew in my mind and my heart I felt a certain way. This is the man I am. But my actions did not reflect that. And it was this tension, right? It was a constant just tearing, pulling back and forth, back and forth. I have no idea where I was was or where I was going with that. But, <laughs> but basically, but that's sharing good though because so, that that's good though that you talk about that because just in general, you know, I follow uh, John Maxwell a lot, and he talks about that gap mm-hmm. between what we know mm-hmm. and what we actually do. Do yeah, you know, and and he said if you can if you can get that gap mm-hmm. shorter and lessen that gap, yeah, then then you're on the right track, but. But typically, most of us know what to do. Mm-hmm. We just don't do it. And just that gap, that gap, which is the same thing you're talking about, the integrity gap. And so, um, but I've listened to, I've listened to your podcast. Uh, I haven't listened to the stories. I've only listened to you so far. Oh, okay. And I love, I love the, the, I love the value that you add, that you bring. Okay. So you have the man cap, which is pouring into others, helping other people grow. You have True North Podcast, which is helping others share their stories, but also you pouring into others with the solo podcast, solo episodes. So none of this just happened because one day you're living a perfect life and one day you just decided to do all this. Yeah. Most of the time, great things like this are a result of challenges that we had to overcome. Mm -hmm. Whether when we were kids teenagers, young adults, whatever. So let's now let's talk about about let's dig into your background now. Sure. Yeah. Okay, let's yeah. let's let's backtrack and go back and um you know what what experiences did you have as a kid? Uh and I already know the answers, but I want you to tell them. Um what experiences did you have as a kid that that you know that kind of shed light on why you do what you do now? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, you know, I think the gist of it is as, as I have grown as a man, I've realized that our past, our past tends to shape who we are, right? Yeah. The things that we live in life shape who we are. And if we're not aware of who we truly are, um, and how we're operating in life, and if we're not in control, if we don't discipline ourselves, and if we're not focused on the right things, um, and some of that sometimes is just simply you don't know what you don't know and you have mm-hmm. to learn in time. And so basically that being said, what I've been able to realize is there was just a number of things that happened as a child and in my teenage years that really just left me kind of hanging in the wind, right? Like I, I didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a friend. I didn't know how to be a follower of Christ, or live out my faith. And reason being is because I never had an example. I never had anyone teach me or show me. You know, my father, when I was two years old, um, 
he gave up his rights when I was two years old. So I didn't have a father figure. My mother raised me on her own. She did the best she could, right? But there's just some things a mother cannot instill yeah. in a young man. Yeah. So she raised me from the time I was two to the time I was nine years old, at which point she was remarried. And then I went into that thinking, okay, I'm going to have a dad. This is cool, right? And then it was a total letdown. You know, immediate, almost immediately after they got married, it was total letdown just due to alcohol and just um, verbal abuse and, you know, even physical abuse to a degree. Um, you know, just basically the, the people, the men that I had in my life from that point were just not good examples, right? There were examples of who I didn't want to be. And I would always tell myself that, man, I'll, I'll never be this kind of person. I will never do this, never treat people this way, you know? So I learned a lot of things not to do, yeah. but what, when you learn things not to do, but you don't learn things that you can do to replace that with, or the opposite of that, well, it just kind of leaves you scared. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, how do I operate? You know, you're kind of timid, you're, you're insecure. And so my insecurity, I think at the end of the day, led to, I don't know if you want to say an infatuation, maybe more of an addiction with women. And so that was the lifestyle I started living. Like, that's how I got my my confidence. That's how I got, you know, how I felt better. That's how I hid my pains and and everything was just engaging with women, right? And sex and so on and so forth. Uh, so much so that even into my marriage, I was married at 19 years old, um, pretty much throughout the entirety of the marriage, I was, you know, having affairs from time to time and it would be intermittent, you know, but then as life would have it, things hit you, right? And we don't even, that's the funny thing. Initially, when we don't know what's going on, like we don't know what's hitting us. We don't know why we're having these urges or these desires and then why we're, um, acting on them, you know, until... We learn, look, this is, this is how I was feeling. This is, this is how I was covering it up. So, so now we can backtrack and we can figure out, okay, what do I do differently moving forward? Like, yeah. obviously, women is not the answer, you know. And what I learned from that was, really, it's about me. Like, I have to know me. I have to be comfortable with me. And uh, I have to have that solid foundation. And so how do I really start learning who I am even more? Uh, which comes down to the Bible. It's yeah. like everything, everything we need to know, it's like an instruction manual, right? And I don't know it inside and out, but I learn something new all the time, you know? Um, so I don't know if that really fully answers your question. Absolutely. Um, so but, you were in the military, uh, Marines, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, when did you, when did you join the Marines? And uh, I think, I think you, you were, uh, you were married when you first joined the Marines, or you just I got was. married? Yeah. So, how did the Marines affect your marriage? How did uh, the Marines? Did they? I mean, there's a lot of potential father figures and father role models mm-hmm. in the Marines. Were you able to connect with anybody in the Marines as a as a you know as a father figure role? And did that help your life at all? I would say, as far as father figures, so when when you grow up the way that I grew up, first of all, you don't put your faith or your trust in male figures. Right. The automatic assumption is I'm the man and I have to make it work. And so I never accepted 
anyone probably even even to this day there there's only now been one man and that's my my father-in-law my current father-in-law um that i would consider a father figure that i truly trust in, in that capacity that's not going to judge me that's not going to lead me astray and, and so i would say to answer your question no there i didn't put my trust in my superiors because you weren't really looking for it anyway. i wasn't looking for yeah, it yeah so. absolutely yeah, wasn't looking for that. That's a simple way of putting. It. I wasn't looking for it. And did, did your time in the Marines make you a better person, or did you let it? Because uh, you know, I, I I told you that I I was denied from going to the Marines, mm-hmm. but looking at my lifestyle after that, which was filled with alcohol and women and everything else, I almost wonder if if um, if I had gone to the Marines, if what if I would have turned out even worse. Uh, you know, yeah. now I know there's drinking and partying in the, in the military. Yeah. I know all that, but but I, but I also see some good guys that party in the, in the military come out and be really be really nice and well off. They don't mm-hmm. end up going to prison. I wonder if my drinking and my bad habits would have been so. Um, I don't know because I, I was rebellious, man. Yeah, I was rebellious, yeah. and I think I would have pushed back, and I, I I just could have foreseen myself being dishonorably discharged. Um, so did the Marines make you a better person? You know, what did you get from the Marines? How long were you in there? Yeah. So I was in, I did a four year stint. I didn't, I served my, my four years and had an honorable discharge. Um, thank you so, by the way for your service. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was my honor and pleasure. Um, you know, going into the Marines, like it was about me proving myself. So first of all, I didn't consider any other branch other than the Marines. Like, I heard it was the hardest. I heard they were the biggest and the baddest and the toughest. And I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to prove something. Yeah. So that's why I chose the Marine Corps. And I think all the Marine Corps did was maybe uh, amplify who I already was yeah. a little bit. I don't know if they made me a better person. Maybe they helped me... Uh, they just amplified my, my structure, which uh, I think I relaxed a little bit on now. But um, yeah, so I don't want to say they made me better, but I definitely enjoyed my time in uh, toward the end, especially, you know, in the beginning. You talk about, you know, people messing up in the beginning. I was, see, I was two weeks out from being promoted and went out to Mexico one night and we all got drunk. Got back to the barracks, and I got in a little scuffle with someone. <laughs> and so I got busted down. They busted me down, took my rank, wow. uh, fined me, and gave me 30 days of barracks restriction and uh, extra duty. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, so I had to recover from that mess up. And so the first year and a half, I would say, was pretty rough. Yeah. And then I finally got to my duty station. And I will say that the one thing that helped my time in the Marine Corps turned around for the, the better was uh, a staff sergeant who came out of the drill field. He, matter of fact, I got to the unit first. He came in shortly after me. He didn't know my record, my track record or anything. So this is the thing, your track record in the military follows you. Wow. You know, so if you're in school and you, you know, you're what they call a shit bag, you're a shit bag. When you get to the, to your unit, you're a shit bag. And you have to prove yourself. And so yeah. that's what I was kind of known for, you know, um, just because of that one right. instance, right? But anyway, he came in. He kind of took me under his wing and supported me and uh, really kind of helped me navigate 
um, the, the remainder of my time in the Marine Corps. And so the remainder of my time, the last, I would say the last two and a half years, was actually pretty good, you know, and I would have re-enlisted had, had, had they given me my way uh, as far as uh, I was trying to get into active reserves and that ended up just not working out. So anyway, decided to get out, and here we are today. Did it make me a better man? Probably in some ways. I haven't actually sat and reflected on that. Um, it, it definitely made me more appreciative of of our service members yeah. and the sacrifice that so they So have made. you seen the movie A Few Good Men? A long time ago. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's an you old know, one. So, uh, you know, the, the, main, the main theme behind that movie is Code Reds. So, do code reds really exist in the Marines? Or are you uh, not allowed to say? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> well, you know, the whole gist of that movie was two, two, uh, two Marines uh, were issued a code red, which is a way of your unit handling troubled people in the unit when, uh-huh. they're, when they're lagging behind, when they're doing stuff, they supposedly um, issue a code red Mm -hmm. to try to take care of it, you know, within the unit instead of, you know, disciplinary, whatever. And so they're not supposed to actually happen. You know, they don't actually exist. Mm -hmm. But in this particular instance, when they, um, they, they gave this one private a code red because of his, he was always lagging behind in all the, all the, the, the drills. And so causing the whole unit to be, in trouble or disciplined or whatever. And mm-hmm. so, so, but that, in that one code red, there was a sock stuck down the, the mouth and that, that private died. Oh yeah. And so, that. so these two, these other two men, one was a, a corporal and uh, the other one was sergeant, whatever they were being tried for murder, but mm-hmm. they were, they were trying to tell their lawyers that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just our fault. It was, you know, we were issued, we were told to issue a code red. Well, According to their COs, code reds don't exist. So the whole the whole the whole trial was trying to prove <laughs> that code reds exist and that they were ordered to do this and that they shouldn't be charged with murder at the most manslaughter, you know that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. so it's uh it, it was a uh, it was I like the movie and but you know you always wonder if the things like that really truly exist. You know I've been to prison, so people always ask me. You know, is prison really like what the movie? Is it really like Shawshank Redemption? Is it really like what they show on on the TV shows? And and I'm able to tell them yes or no, depending on what what part they're asking, they're asking about. Yeah. So so, but uh, but yeah, I always wanted to know if Code Reds really existed. And, yeah. and uh, you know, but it sounds like you're sounds like you know the code says don't talk about it. So anyway, all right. Well, listen, man. Um, what what keeps you going? What what a part, maybe maybe with your faith, maybe with just the high of helping others, what drives you? What keeps you going? What motivates you to keep doing these man camps, to keep you know drawing more men every, every camp, every year? Uh, what keeps you, what, what wakes you out of bed, wakes you up and motivates you for the day, for whatever you do on a daily basis? What, what, what drives you, man? Yeah, yeah. Uh... So I will say I'm no different than any other man. There, there's probably, I mean, there's definitely days I wake up and I'm like, what am I doing today? Like, I don't want to do this, you know. And, and quite frankly, you know, I've struggled even, uh, I've struggled with uh, depression and anxiety um, since, well, it's been a couple of years now, well, a few years now. 
um, when I first had my anxiety, my first anxiety attack. So man, I, if I'm being honest, I, I struggle. Uh, I struggle just like anyone else. You know what? I think what drives me, number one, first of all, what sustains me, what strengthens me, is my ability to lean into my Creator. My ability to say, God, I don't want to do this today. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I I need you. I need your help. I need you to sustain me and strengthen me. Um, and I do that more often than than I care to admit, right? Um, but what drives me is the fact that I also know my Creator has given me a mission in life. And at the end of the day, that mission is to impact other people's lives. And knowing that I am guiding men on a path that makes a positive impact in the world versus a negative impact, that in and of itself is enough for me. Like, that is fulfilling to know that other sons out there are going to get to spend more time with their dad or that that there's another husband out there that rather than continuing to engage in their affairs they're going to think through that next time and they're going to stop that and they're going to re-engage with their wife or knowing that a man is at his wits end and doesn't know where to turn and finally understands that submission and surrender is the ultimate victory um, so long as you're surrendering to the right power and the right authority. That's good. Um, so for me, just knowing that other men can experience freedom and fulfillment in that manner is what drives me. That's what drives me. What's underneath that is, I, I think, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That just keeps saying, keep going. That's good. Keep going. That's what he does. You know, absolutely. And, and so for, for me, I would say that, that that's, 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 good. that's it. Paul, this uh, podcast is, is actually going to be on tablets and uh, available to inmates in prisons and jails mm. across the nation. Um, there's going to, I know for a fact that there's people in prison that have uh, experienced some of the same things you experienced as a kid. Okay. We get guys come into our transitional house all the time from prison mm -hmm. that have experienced physical, sexual, verbal, mental abuse as a, as a child, uh, uh, father abandonment, different mm -hmm. things, but they ended up in prison. Yeah. And so there's, there's some sitting there in prison that experience this thing. You'd have an experienced prison, but what, what would you say to them to give them hope to, mm -hmm. to, to say, look, this is not the end. You know, what would you say to them to, to lean into, to draw onto, um, give them a word, um, that they can hold on to and say, all right, you know, even if I'm spending life in prison, I can still have hope because of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I mean, there, there's two things that come to mind. One is your mess is your message. So if you can look at your past, own your past and forgive yourself of your past, because ultimately not only do you, are you forgiving yourself, if you can accept your creator's forgiveness, that's going to give you freedom, enough freedom, you know, and then I would say that, you, you know, our pain, so our mess, right? Some, some people may say, well, man, I've made a mess of life. Well, that can turn into your message and it can speak to the masses. But then your pain, right? So whatever pain you've experienced in the past can also be your purpose, right? And message yeah. and purpose kind of are the same, yeah. right? Because we, we can take our message and share it with the world and, and people need to hear it. People, 
it's going to uplift them. It's going to edify people. Maybe not everyone, but someone, right? And if we can change one person's one, life, yeah. that, that's what it's all about, right? And then your purpose, right? Your, your message is, is tied to your purpose because our purpose in this world is to impact the lives of those around us. You know, and at the end of the day, as a believer, I have to say that my purpose is to help shine the light of Christ so that others can find life in Him. And so as a believer, and as that being my foundation, I have to believe that all of us have that same purpose in life. And if we can just cling to that and understand that and fully wrap our, maybe not fully wrap our mind around it because it is a lifelong process. We evolve, we all change, we all learn, we all grow all of life. The moment we stop growing is the moment that we grow stagnant and then we go back into our old wicked ways, right? But I would say the only difference too, like I was thinking about this the other day, the only difference between myself and someone in jail or prison, quite frankly, is that I didn't get caught doing some of the things that I did. That's the bottom line. And so if I am where I am today and the only difference is I didn't get caught, well, if you're sitting on the inside of a cell, you're still no different than I am. You're still meant to make an impact. Maybe it's just right in your current environment until, you, until you're free from that, you know. Um, but I would say... They, it, they could start a man camp in prison. In prison, yeah. You know, there's, I've heard tons of stories of, of inmates who, who are doing good things. You know, really good things and speaking life into people. And man, what a what a place to do it, right? Where there's so would, many broken people. Would you ever want to take your curriculum? You can't take all the events. Uh-huh. But would you ever want to take your curriculum into inside a prison wall and, and do it like a whole weekend? You know, because there's already, there's already ministries that do stuff like Kairos yeah. and they do whole weekends like Barber and hmm. Bill Glass. So what if, and I'm just, you know, I don't know if I'm oper- operating prophetically or not, but w- would that be, would that be cool to take all the, the, the processes of looking inward of, of man camp and doing it over a weekend in, in a prison? Yeah. You know, I've never considered that, but the, the fact that you're asking the question, I mean, didn't mean to put I, you on the spot. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I say, why not? Yeah. Right. Uh, Absolutely. You know, I think that'd be super cool if if God were to ordain that and and make a way for that. Absolutely. Why not do that? Um, and, and I wanted to say one more thing, because I feel I feel like people need to hear this. Like the bigger your mess is, the deeper your pain is, I believe the bigger an impact you, you can make. In I the agree. World. You have the potential to relate to so many people and to understand them on such a deeper level that you can connect and actually bring them out of those, out of those depths. So, yeah, so I, I feel like it doesn't matter what you've done to land yourself there. If you decide to use your story, it doesn't matter. Like the, the worst you, you know, the, what am I trying to say here? Like if you're if your situation is worse than mine, or if you've done things in life worse than I've done, you have the potential to make a bigger impact than me. Yeah. Your story is so Absolutely. much more powerful. Absolutely. So, all right. So we're going to wrap it up. But, man, um, and we're going to have all your links on the show page, all your okay. social media. But just tell us real quick what the website is. Um, you know, whatever websites, True North, uh, mm-hmm. Man Camp. I don't know if they have separate websites or not. 
But just tell us those websites real quick. Sure. Uh, so truenorthman.com. Truenorthman.com, okay. That's, uh, we just have one website. That will have so our they can find out about everything on that website. Everything is right okay. there, yeah. And the, um, the podcast and everything, True North Man podcast, truenorthman.com. Now, you live here in the awesome town of Bertram, Texas. Yeah. How long have you been here? And tell us about your family. Yeah, so um, let's see. July, we're, we're in July now. So this month will be two years in okay. Bertram, Texas. Uh, Leela and I have been married now since 2014. Um, and we hit between the two of us, we have five children. So awesome. I, have, uh, I have three sons. She has two daughters. Um, we have my oldest son is at Tech. Our oldest daughter is at uh, A&M. <laughs> so wow. um, house divided, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, so Sophie, you've seen, you've yeah. seen Sophie. Uh, she's our youngest daughter. And she goes to school at uh, Burnett. Uh, 12 years old my youngest son is also 12 and then middle son is 16 uh they they both live with their mother um let's see what else Leela's a nurse she works from home and i work from home obviously doing uh true north stuff true north is my my full-time gig um with the podcast and events and masterminds and all that um so that's that's my goal is to build that up and continue doing what god told me to do um Let's see what else. I don't, I don't know. What I know. I know we have a um, we have a similar liking for um, MMA, UFC. Yeah. So, um, and you did express to me that you are a Conor McGregor fan. Um, he's got a fight coming up, July tenth. I didn't know that, but now I do. I'm glad. Uh, you can't be a fan <laughs> and not know that. Um, we're gonna have the fight at Forgiven Felons, but um, uh, he's fighting Dustin Poirier. The, oh, this would okay. be round yes, three. Round three. Yeah. So, what do you think? What do you think he's gonna do? Man, I need to do a little more research on their <laughs> training. Well, they both won one, so this is the this is the rubber this match. This is it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Um, I haven't been following Dustin enough to know where he stands and his his skill set. He doesn't want to lose to Connor again. That's for sure. And if I think if Connor. Uh, has been focused, which I don't think he was focused on his training the last fight. Mm -hmm. That's why he lost. But I think if he focuses on his training, I think he's actually more skilled than Dustin. But if he doesn't train, then he's going to lose the game to Dustin. Yeah, so this is a thing. I think Connor's, uh, I think his ego got to him oh, yeah. for a little bit. And I still question whether or not that's the case. Dustin, I think, is probably in the grind every day. And like, so I agree with you. So like you said, is Connor truly in the grind doing what he first did to get in the UFC and to do the things he did? Because, yeah. you know, that money can do strange things to oh, us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Paul, thank you so much for coming and letting us do a background check on you. And uh, we appreciate everything you do. Uh, I can't wait to attend a man camp at some point. Absolutely, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into the one. We got a lot of things going on in October, but hopefully it's a weekend that I don't already have something planned. And because uh, I'd love to come to this one, if I can't come to this one, I'll come to the next one. But but um, but uh, again, people listen to his podcast. It's amazing. Go to the website, and uh, if you're in prison or jail, look them up when you get out. But uh, you won't regret it. So, Paul, thanks again for taking time to share your story uh, on Background Check. Yeah, appreciate it. Man, I really enjoyed that interview. I want to say thanks again to Paul. 
for allowing me to do that and sit down and hear his heart for true North man. You know, his, his mission statement on the website says we exist to help men uncover their true identity. He talked about that. Take ownership of their God given purpose and live with greater clarity and vision. And the vision of true North man says we envision a multitude of men finding life and giving life through the peace and fulfillment they have attained as a result of the intentional and self-reflective work they do. Man, what a great organization. You know, uh, when you've lost your way, you got to find, you, you got to use the compass. But if that compass is not pointing to true north, you're not going to, you're not going to find the right way. And so I just love the whole thing, man. A couple, couple things Paul said in there that really struck to me. He said, whatever your pain, whatever pain you've experienced in the past can also be your purpose. And then he said, the bigger your mess is, the deeper your pain is, I believe the bigger an impact you can make in the world. You know, and that is so true. You know, that's straight out of the Bible. Jesus said, um, said, uh, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Well, to be forgiven, you have to have had some pain or a mess to be forgiven of. And, and, the, and it seems, according to Jesus, the more you've been forgiven of, the more capacity you have, it seems, to love or just the more reactive your love is. Uh, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where if you're listening to this in, in, in the workout room, if you're listening to this in the car. Uh, I don't care if, if you're the one going through something or you have a loved one or family or son or daughter or spouse that is struggling and your heart's breaking for them, whether they've just lost their identity, whether you've lost your identity, or whether there's an addiction involved, incarceration involved, let me just tell you, whatever pain you've experienced, I'm quoting Paul Beam now, in the past can also be your purpose. I've had, I've had a mom from Colorado who saw our, our documentary, and she called me and she said, I have two sons in prison. And this documentary, seeing what you have done, what you can do, what what uh, the potential of helping people is, I, I, I don't want to just sit and only just pray for my sons. I want to start. I want to start a house so we can actually live it out and help help others. Uh, Deanna Lupreet, who is on uh, one of the earlier episodes uh, just a, few, a couple months ago, I guess, she has a son. She lives here in Texas and has a son in prison in California. And in 2016, she said, she prayed and said, God, if you take care of my son in California, I'm going to help take care of some other people here in Texas. And through that, she created the Second Look Bill or the Second Look um, program called uh, Epicenter. But through her pain of her son being in prison is now her purpose. And now she's sitting with you know, um, Governor Abbott and some other people trying to come up with a bill that will help younger inmates that were sentenced to these god-awful sentences uh, when they were 15, 16 years old. So whatever whatever you're, even if you said something to somebody last week, this morning, whatever, and, and that pain is in the past, you can use that and it can be a purpose to take you to another level. Whether you're sitting in jail, prison, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Whatever you, whatever pain and mess you you have experienced or even going through right now, God can turn it into His 
purpose. You know what? Let me let me pray for you and Paul right now. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for Paul Beam and True North. Lord, thank you for godly men who are who are willing to sacrifice time, energy, everything to pour into other men. Lord, we we all need to be true north. And Paul said that he found his identity in his creator. You're our creator, so thank you for being our true north. Lord, we thank you for Paul and what he's doing, the impact he's having. We pray you open more doors, not just in Washington and Texas, but more doors all over the nation, maybe even in prison. Who knows? But Lord, we thank you for the impact that that organization's having. Bless Paul, his family, his five kids. Bless them, open doors for them. And Lord, we we pray for everyone who's listening right now. We pray for their life, wherever they are, whether they're going through something and they need their mess to turn into a message or they have a loved one who's going through something. I pray you I pray you open doors for them as well. I pray you lift them up off rock bottom, help them shake the dust off and let their pain become their purpose. Lord, we lift up every inmate across America, whether in jail and prison, and we ask you to give them exactly what they need to get through this day, this year, Lord, uh, we lift up everyone out here listening as well. Give them exactly what they need to get through this day and this week. As they lay their head down, let them have sweet rest and, and relaxation and, and, uh, and refreshment, Lord. And we give you all the glory. We thank you for this podcast. We thank you for the, the, the opportunity to touch lives. And we give you the glory and point everyone we know to you, our true north. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you're in prison or jail and you're listening to this, and you're like, how, how can I get a hold of you guys? You can write to Forgiven Felons at P.O. Box 4283. And that is Cedar Hill, Cedar like the tree, C-E-D-A-R-H-I-L-L. And that's Texas 75106. So Forgiven Felons. And just let us know you heard the podcast in jail or prison. Let us know what you thought about it. And, um, and if you need more information about our transitional house in Dallas, just let us know. But thank you for listening. Spread the word in jail, prison, wherever you are. And if you're out here, keep spreading the word. Thank you for making Background Check Podcast. We may be taking about a month off just to give me and my family a rest. But, um, but we're still, we've started season two. And, but we may, take, we may take a month off. So just be prepared for that. Um, so, um, but that'll give you a chance to, to binge, listen to some past episodes. All right. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Next week. Um, next week we got a great episode. Come back. All right. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the background check podcast brought to you by forgiven felons, helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit forgivenfelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, And please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.